ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Basketball Podcast at who uh, the Basketball Podcast Network. Jeremy Brenner here, and this is our second part of our Kobe week here at the Basketball Podcast. Uh, this obviously being one year since Kobe's uh, passing away, the age of 40. And I've brought Harrison Fagan back on for this second episode of Kobe Week. Uh, Harrison is a contributor for Silver Screen and Roll, all things Los Angeles Lakers at SBNation.com. Harrison, thank you for coming on. And uh, how you doing? I'm I'm doing just as well as I was for the last episode because we're go. we're going back to back here to take people behind the scenes. So I'm I'm good and I'm excited to talk some more Kobe. Absolutely. So this usually I like to do these episodes and talk about something like specific from the past. This episode is going to be a little bit different um, because I feel like with this episode we can really look at. I want to look at Mamba mentality. I guess if we had a title this episode, it'd be Mamba mentality, and that's something that that'd be good for SEO for sure. It's been uttered a lot <laughs> in the past in the past year, and it, but it was also something that was create. It was created, you know during Kobe's career and it, but it's really taken flight in, in the years since his death. And that's also something we're going to discuss is, is athletes and just people in general artists as well. And how people, you know, appreciate them much more after they've gone. Yeah. So that's something you, you can expect as, as this episode rolls along, but let's start with Mamba mentality and, you know, kind of how the NBA, um, the, its players have kind of taken this whole, you know, this, I guess, what is a motto? What would you, what would you say it is, Harrison? Uh, is it, is it a motto? Lifestyle, lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. Like it was a, it was a philosophy on like, it was a way of looking at the the basketball and life and hard work, I guess. Yeah. And so do you remember when he, like Kobe first coined Mamba mentality? No, I do not. I mean, I remember when he came up for, with the nickname for himself, uh, but like, uh, like that was during those down years when he was like that we were talking about on last episode and with like the bad teams and was trying to rebrand himself and all of that stuff. And that was part of it. But I do not remember when I first heard Mamba Mentality. No. Mm-hmm. So he has a book called The Mamba Mentality, How I Play. Uh, it was published in 2018. So pretty yeah, recent. I, I have it right behind us somewhere. Yep. Uh, it's uh, it's like uh, it's with him and uh, a longtime like legendary NBA photographer Andy Bernstein. Yeah, so I guess the whole thing with Maba mentality, and honestly, it's something I think that NBA players kind of taken, but it's also something that people outside of the NBA have also taken. I think especially in Los Angeles, you kind of alluded to it. A little bit on your last episode and how Kobe has inspired your work ethic. So try, could you try to explain that and more go a little bit more in depth about that? Sure. Like, so I think that number one, like Mamba mentality is like, I think it's almost intentionally and brilliantly vague. Like it's a little bit of a Rorschach test, right? Like you can kind of like, I think a lot of people have a lot of different ways of exactly looking at it. And like, what does that mean? And, you know, what does it mean to them? And, you know, I think Kobe would probably would have, encourage that you know and have like that it it is a little bit of open-ended it is supposed to apply to more than just basketball players I think basketball players have a certain way of looking at it as like a style of play a style of putting in the work and like that kind of thing and I think that like people outside of it like you know bloggers uh for example like me um and like I think people all around Los Angeles as well like have different different but 
somewhat similar ways of looking at it and what exactly it means. And I, I think to me, the best way that I would describe it is like, it just basically means put the work in, like put your head down and put the work in. And that's something that I think really, you know, I, like I said, I alluded to this on the last episode, but like when you went around Los Angeles and you talked to people about like, uh, like our own Christian Rivas over at Silver Screen Roll did a great story on this actually mm -hmm. from talking to the mourners at LA Live, like in the days after Kobe passed and like, yeah. you know, and uh, in the days leading up to the Lakers first game after that like about just talking to them about like, what did Kobe mean to you? Why did he resonate with you? And like the answer basically like from every single person he talked to was like, it was the work ethic. It was the way that he approached things. It was like, you know, this is a city where, you know, like I, I think that a lot of people come to chase their dreams. And like, like there's the stereotype of like everyone in LA is like, wants to be an actor or wants to be like a screenwriter or whatever. But like, I do think that there's some degree of truth to that, but there's also like, it's also a city full of people, you know, like construction workers and people that like have to, you know, put together the city and keep it moving and all of that stuff. And I think almost everyone can take something from the work ethic of that. And like, but also like, especially the dream chasers. Like if you want, like, if you watch Kobe's career, like going from, you know, I think he probably undersell undersells like where he was starting from, right? Like in our because it makes for a better story of like like he was he did start from a pretty good spot. He was the son of a former NBA player. Like he got pretty good genetics, but he was not a guy that was like, you know, like he wasn't a LeBron athlete. Like he wasn't the, a guy who was like jumping out of the gym. He was a good athlete, but he was a guy who like you would never accuse Kobe of leaving a single ounce of potential on the table. And I think that that is kind of when you boil it down, like that's what the Mamba mentality is. It's making sure, it's not necessarily making sure that you are the best at it, like in your field. It's making sure that you work to be the best and like squeeze every kind of like every drop out of your own natural talent that you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I've pulled up an article from the Foundation for Economic Education. This article is written by Tyler Brandt. So... I wanted to credit that. So basically he says in this article that he quotes Kobe. He says, simply stated, Mamba mentality means just trying to get better every day. It's well, there you the go. simplest form of trying to get better at whatever you're doing. So that's the definition, I guess, uh, of Mamba mentality, according to Kobe. Um, I mean, he so, invented it, so I feel like he should get first crack at the he, definition. He, that's he, should, yeah. he should define it if that's his case. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and we've... Ever since his career ended, you know, Kobe has had this, I think the farewell tour kind of kicked it off when, you know, there was this reshaping of Kobe's image uh, oh, yeah. where he was seen, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, how he was perceived more as a villain during his career. He was seen as the sidekick, the guy that, you know, was never good enough to be, you know, a contender or could lead a team to a title. He proved that wrong, you know, but during the latter part of his career, especially that last year, uh, people started to really appreciate Kobe for what he was worth. And, you know, then afterwards, you know, I guess people saw him as, you know, a father more than anything, I think. And I think that, you know, is also part of mom mentality, I think, is, um, you know, because he was kind of starting the second chapter of his, you know, adult career as being like this, this father and all that. And, I think people also resonated with that after he passed away is, is he, you know, the whole girl dad, you know, yeah. viral, you know, hashtag came about and, you know, that kind of 
was stemmed from, you know, this, these last five years almost. It was, you know, from his career. And, you know, it, it's amazing how much he's impacted not just NBA circles, but outside of that as well. Yeah, I think that like like this was something that Anthony Davis was talking about last night, actually, that the thing that stood out to him the most was how many people from different walks of life like were, you know, devastated by this, like over the year that has passed since like, you know, it didn't matter what sport. like a lot of times when like, you know, when a great player in a sport dies, like, you know, there's, you know, there's an outpouring of like, oh, what a legend of the game from like people within that sport community with Kobe. Like, that was the story around the world for, it felt like, at least a few days, if not a week. Like, that was that was the big thing that was happening. And, like, everybody wanted more updates. Everyone was talking to someone who had a Kobe story. And, like, I, I do think that, like, you do start to see that impact forming, like you said, like, down the stretch of that farewell tour. I think that there was a almost... I, I think it was to some degree intentional, but like a softening of, you know, his approach and whatever. And like, he had become more approachable with the media over the years since then. Like that was not a just that year thing, but he was a lot more willing and like realizing, okay, this is my last go round of this. This might be my last post game press conference in, you know, in Houston or in Minnesota or, you know, wherever it may be. Like I'm going to take some time here and I'm going to engage and I'm going to tell my stories and I'm going to be genial. And I, like, because this is my last chance to be in front of all this attention and really shape my narrative. And he almost kind of admitted to it down the stretch. Like if you go back and you listen to his interviews from that final year and like that, I covered that year. So like I was, you know, I was not always at the games, but like I was at, at the very least watching on TV, like what he was saying and things like that, I had to keep up with it for the site. And it felt like in almost every press conference, like if you wanted to play a drinking game, like you could take a shot every single time Kobe said, well, I'm a storyteller. You know, mm -hmm. it was something that was very important to him he was now he was talking about it away from the court in terms of getting granity going like his company kobe inc like being able to tell all of the like these film stories write books you know foster storytelling and things like that and we even saw it with the retirement announcement of the like dear basketball you know like short film slash mm -hmm. their poem that turned into a short film like he was talking about it away from the game, but it almost started like, you know, in his last year playing the game, he was kind of putting the final touches on how he wanted to be perceived as it moved forward. And then like you talked about, like the, you know, the basically all we ever saw of him after he retired was he was at WNBA games with Gianna. He was at NBA games with Gianna. Like he was coaching her basketball team. Like he was the only time, the reason we associate him as a girl dad is because the only time we ever saw him out uh, like in public really was with his daughters. And like, like the only times that like, I really saw him in person after that were like occasionally seeing him at Disneyland. And so where he would go like all the time. You saw him at uh, Disneyland? Yeah, I did. I actually, I, I saw him at Disneyland. The last time was the day the Anthony Davis trade went down. Um, wow, he was, uh, that's, yeah, that's like, a pretty good time. <laughs> yeah, like I, we were just, I honestly didn't even realize it until he passed. And one of my friends was like, was that Kobe? And I'm like, oh my God, that really, that was Kobe. I look back and, you know, he's got one of his daughters on his shoulders, you know, like uh, I think it was Gianna running up ahead. Like, you know, he was uh, like, you know, he was a frequent presence around Disneyland. Like he was there, you know, as uh, my, my wife works there or used to work there. And I remember one of her coworkers describing this as like, like the first time that she said to her, she's like, I saw Kobe today. And her coworkers like, that dude's always here. Like, what do you mean? Like, that's like, it's not even a big yeah, deal. Pass. 
<laughs> he was he was so such a frequent presence there that they would escort him through the back hallways and things to get to rides and things like that so that he would not have to fight his way through like you know legions of adoring fans basically to uh walk around the park like on it so he he knew all the shortcuts he knew where to get into backstage and things like that and yeah he was a, a frequent disneyland presence we've gone a little off track here but like that it all goes to show that that was part of you know, that was where we saw him. The last time I think we really saw him in public was, you know, the, or the last time that I remember seeing him was at the uh, at the game against the Hawks. And he was sitting, court, I believe it was the Hawks. And he was sitting Hawks, courtside yeah. with Gianna. And yeah, because it was her, Trey Young is one of her favorite players. And yeah. she wanted a picture with him that night. And mm -hmm. Kobe was like any other dad was like taking the picture of her with Trey Young. Like, you know, uh, and he was, but the viral moment from that night was him you know, her looking up at him, like eyes wrapped and like him breaking down some little play and her nodding along and whatever, and him trying to give her little technique points. And that was what we saw of him after he left. And so it was the girl dad thing. It was the constantly working on your craft and training up his daughter and talking about like how he, you know, how his like girls basketball team that he coached sucked. And then they all put, started putting the work in and got it together. Like in that Instagram post that I remember him getting roasted for and people claimed that he was like cyberbullying children when like this was very much like a bit that he had going with them or whatever but like that was what we saw of him we saw the dad and we saw the guy who worked really hard yeah totally off topic from kobe but now that you've brought up amusement parts i have to tell you the story about <laughs> and taco fall running into each other at universal can Taco Fall fit on rides like I, that? I did not see him on a ride, so I do not know if this is true or not. He yeah, there's like, no way. There's no way he'd like he'd get decapitated. Like, <laughs> well, like Taco Fall, I'm a proud alumnus of the University of Central Florida. Uh, go Knights! Charge on! And UCF does this thing every year. They didn't do it last year for COVID reasons, but I was um, say, probably obvious reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but every April, UCF gets like a chance to go to universal students like they sign up you go in line you get like you go in line at the arena you get your ticket and you can go into universal for no no charge at all and the last year i was there it was my junior year taco i think was a senior at the time and we saw talk and i was with my friend who she's also a, she's like a reporter and she has friends on the basketball team and she knows taco and she sees Taco and I'm with her and she goes up. She's like, hey. And he's like, hey. And then people are like, Taco. And like, just like looking up and like trying to wave and trying to get a picture with him. But my friend wanted a picture with me. And who does she ask? She asked Taco Fall. <laughs> so instead of me taking pictures of Taco Fall at Universal, Taco Fall's taking pictures of me. How about that? That's so, that, that, that's actually a great story. You yeah. should, I'm, glad, I'm glad you I got, I got a lot of these in my arsenal. I just got to find the right time to do that. And I probably never would have found that if it weren't for Kobe Bryant. So thank you, Kobe. <laughs> and for you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. So uh, let's get back to Kobe here and talking about athletes and, you know, just icons in general and how we don't appreciate them as much when they're living as when they're dead. And I think, you know, we look at Hank Aaron, another, a, a very recent example of this, Larry King, also in non-sports examples of people that, you know, were, you know, as they get to the end of their lives, they are, you know, just kind of regressed back into society. And then the next day they're gone and you're like, oh my goodness. And, you know, you're always, you know, you like, oh my goodness, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. 
Uh, or, you know, Hank Aaron was this, you know, icon and all that, but people weren't really talk. People were talking about Hank Aaron getting the COVID vaccine on, on the news. That was the last I'd seen of him. Yeah. And yeah. Mo- most people did. And, you know, the next day people didn't really think about it. And that was the first time I had heard about anything about Hank Aaron in, you know, in like years. years. Yeah. yeah. Like, so what is what does that say to society? I guess this is more of like a so like a sociological question. But what does that say about society that we value people more when they're not here versus when they are here? You know, I think there are a lot of reasons for that. But like, I mean, yeah, it's it's like it's. I mean, there's a reason you only get your flowers at your funeral. Like, and it is it is kind of sad. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. like. Uh, you know, did Hank Aaron know that he was that beloved? Like going down, like he probably did. Like he was a legend. Did of Kobe know he was that beloved? Huh? Did Kobe know that? That that's what I mean. I don't like I, I, don't I don't think anyone did. I, I like I, I don't know that anyone knows that they're that beloved. And it's like it, it is a shame. And I'm not sure if there's like a way to fix that. Like because you know, it's not like you can like news organizations aren't going to run a million stories on someone just on like a random Tuesday just because they think they might die at some point. And it's like, hey, let's all like talk about how much we appreciate this person while they're here so that they can see it. And it just is almost like a reminder, like there's not a way to really do it with celebrities, but it, it does serve to remind all of us that like, you know, life is, life is finite. Like, you know, like tell people that you love that you, if there's one thing that 2020 like reminded us of, it's like, tell people that you love, that you love them. Like when you have a chance and like, you know, when you're in person, give people that you love a hug and like, you know, pass on, things that you appreciate and try to be less negative when possible. And like, I think like that, like, you know, it, it, it is sad to me. And like, this isn't the saddest part of it by any means, but like one of the things that was sad to think about during like the aftermath of that was like, you know, how often did we hear Kobe on like uh, about Kobe on basketball Twitter when it wasn't people like arguing about him? you know, over, especially over like the last years, like after he retired, it was, you know, people having arguments over, was he better? Was Harden better? Was Dwayne Wade better? Like, you know, and the only time that like, you know, it stopped. Huh? That stopped. Yeah, that stopped. Like now Kobe almost isn't even evaluated as a basketball player. Like you don't see like the jokes about like, you know, inefficiency or anything like that. Like the little digs that people are taking because it's fun and look like I take as many digs at like players and current players and whatever as anyone on Twitter. So like, this is not yeah. me being holier than thou. And like, but it does, I think. But at least for like a good it. couple weeks after Kobe was gone. And even to this point, like nobody wanted to debate anything. Cause yeah, it nobody, was... nobody's talking about where Kobe's place is all time in the yeah. game right now, because you can't, you can't have a rational discussion about that right now. Like there's a, even a year later, it's just like, it doesn't feel right to be like, to be arguing for his advanced stats versus X, Y, and Z player and whatever, because mm. it's like, like, it's just bigger than that. And like, there's, and I think that there's almost something to be learned there. Not that we can't like rank players or debate about who's better and whatever, because that's part of just the basketball experience and the sports experience. But like, you know, we should all take a step back and like, you know, no matter where we stand on LeBron versus MJ or, you know, whatever debate you may be having, like, appreciate the other guy too. Like, appreciate that, like, just the fact that it's even a discussion, whether you agree who's better or yeah. not, like, like appreciate the other guy, like had to be pretty great for this to even be a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think, do you think that when do you think enough time will pass to where Kobe is 
back into that conversation or will it ever be that way again because i also think a lot of these people that participate in these debates have seen kobe's uh, at least part of kobe's career if not his full career and they know kobe they like kobe is in a in a sense i wouldn't necessarily say he's you know maybe not my generation as a recent college graduate but maybe your generation harrison you know he is your guy yeah so no i mean he was he was the guy that like got me back into basketball in high school and like you know when i was writing you know papers in my junior year and stuff like that like he was the guy and then he was my guy like i was absolutely like i will i will cop to this now i was arguing kobe is better than lebron lebron will never catch him all this stuff like look i'm someone that will argue now that lebron is the goat and this is before he joined the lakers like it was uh you know when he won that title with the Cavs. for me that solidified it um but like that's neither here nor there but like I think, you know, like, he was that guy for a certain generation. And he also, like, is, I think, a guy that, like, he was the last of the alpha dogs, almost, of, like, that style of leadership of, like, I am going to. I mean, I guess we see Jimmy Butler with that, like, a little bit now. Like, we see influences of that and, like, certain guys or whatever. But he was kind of the last, like... I am going to berate you into playing better superstar. Whereas I think now we see a lot more guys that are like, I'm going to lift you up with my friendship and look like he had friendly relationships too, but like he would get on your ass like, and like he would be public about it. Like LeBron does it on the court sometimes, but he's never going to do it in the media. Like he's never going to do it after the game where he's just like, Oh, so-and-so was terrible tonight, whatever. Like, that's not him. Whereas like Kobe was more willing to be open about it. Like if he thought you sucked and like, you know, we saw him in front of reporters, like calling like Jeremy Lin and Nick Young trash. Like he, Jeremy Lin told the story after he left that Kobe showed up the day of the trade trade deadline and walked into practice for the first time in like weeks. He had been out with an injury and just said, Oh, I just wanted to say goodbye to some of you. Like, sorry, MFers. This is a good place to segue into where I want to talk about next. Cause it kind of, brings something that's pretty pretty relevant uh at least today so kobe is part of the same era as Shaq. they were teammates and we've seen since in the year that kobe's passed away we've seen the nba brotherhood really come together Mm -hmm. they they unite like everyone felt like kobe was this someone they could look up to and everyone had that in common everyone had that common thread as an nba group and you know, the way the NBA has responded in the past year has been such a, you know, brand of unity when it comes to you know, Kobe passing away and the all-star game and the season suspending itself, the season reopening itself, um, the Jacob Blake uh, protests, the Black Lives Matter, um, you know, representation in the bubble. Uh, and and now we're seeing after, you know, last week, Shaq on uh, Inside the NBA in in Donovan Mitchell's you know post game press he he calls him out he said I didn't think you were a top five guy and you know ironically enough that's kind of similar to what you're you're saying here with Kobe but you saw the outpouring of support that the NBA guys that are currently in the league gave to Donovan Mitchell and kind of called Shaq out and was like Shaq like that's not how we roll how much do you think the NBA coming together starting with this whole Kobe thing has kind of changed that narrative. Yeah, no, that's honestly an interesting way to look at it. Like, I I don't know that I'm necessarily with you on, like, that that's the reason. Because, look, like, we've always seen 
the current guys band uh, against like the old heads that are criticizing them. Mm -hmm. Like it's usually a little bit less direct than it was against Shaq, but it's also the criticism from the old heads is usually a little bit less direct than Shaq gave it to Donovan Mitchell in on national TV saying, I don't think you have what you, what it takes to that next level. And I just wanted to say it to your face. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I think though the rivalries in the NBA nowadays, like there aren't too many vicious rivalries anymore. No, like that stuff is like, not like Bulls Pistons or or Celtics yeah. Lakers or anything like that. Like we don't really have that in the NBA anymore. I feel like because the guys are all friends and they kind of go help each other build super teams every couple of years but well, also like some of that is a function of contracts too right like mm-hmm. back in that era you know if you wanted to get paid and you wanted to like you know extend your career whatever you were probably because of the length of contracts probably because of the rules in place and things like that like if you want like if you were a really good player you were probably going to stay with your franchise for the majority of your career and like there was a lot like lebron really changed the way that that was looked at with his decision to go to the heat and right. things like that like which was preceded by the celtics agreeing to team up because they needed to get past lebron and like like all this stuff is a circle that feeds each other and like you know lebron going to the heat basically created the warriors which were the next step up and then you can argue that, that led to something like the nets and like all this stuff is circuitous but like I, I think the thing that stood out to me about i'm like just talking about this right now with you that i hadn't really thought about before with the whole shack thing is it is interesting to me how their two media personalities almost flipped from how they were seen as teammates during their careers where like Shaq was the one that, you know, he gave you a pat on the butt. Like he gave you a Rolex, like he would, he would buy the new rookies, a car, like greatest teammate, whatever you read Jeff Perlman's book. And like, you know, you remember back to that time, Kobe was not viewed that way as a teammate, at least not maybe until like the 09, 10 teams. Like, I think he was pretty much seen as like, you know, uh, then there was a pushback against the, he's a bad teammate narrative by those guys because he, they were all winning together. Like, it's like, no, we like that guy, but he could still be difficult to deal with at times. He wasn't the class clown. He wasn't the guy that was going to crack a bunch of jokes and bring the locker room together. Like he was the wise ass that was going to like, yeah, yeah, he'd make a joke, but it would be at your expense or it would be at his expense or it would be this like dry, like sardonic wit and stuff like that. Whereas like when he got into the media stuff, there was such an obvious appreciation for basketball and talent mm-hmm. and things like that in like his detailed video series and like the way that he talked about the game and the way that he would like earnestly tweet these challenges from on high at players like like he was yeah. you know like some golden god on like mount olympus like bestowing tasks upon them of things to go do and whatever like where and it was like very much building guys up he would text with isaiah thomas and try to help him out become the best player he could be you know all of these guys like you go through like reaching out like, taking kyle kuzma out to dinner when he was with the lakers and things like that very much like trying to build guys up and i'm not saying that Shaq has never done this but Shaq has almost went the opposite way where it's clear how much he doesn't like the current state of the NBA and basketball Mm -hmm. with, you know, the fact that he didn't know who Christian Wood is, Uh, you know, like he is casual. He essentially (laughs) told Donovan Mitchell that he was trash to his face Yeah, uh, and like just clearly does not care enough to watch all of these games to have an informed opinion. Whereas Kobe was like, Zach Lowe wrote about this. And I think one of the most memorable kind of, uh, you know, like, uh, like, uh, post Kobe death pieces was like Zach Lowe talking about how Kobe wanted to shape NBA media and turn it into something better that cared more about basketball. And like, that's something that I've really tried to take to heart over the last year and stuff mm-hmm. was like that. Like, let's, let's talk about the basketball. Like, let's not always talk about the drama stuff. Cause that's fun sometimes, but like, 
ultimately like we do need to appreciate the game and like that is what why we're all here Mm -hmm. in the end and so like i I think it's interesting how him and shaq almost went the complete opposite directions after their playing days were over where shaq is almost like he wants to protect his legacy and be the old head that's like you know criticizing the current guys they couldn't have played in his era he was so great whatever whereas like kobe was talking about like you know, like how great all of these guys could be and trying to build them up and having secret training camps with guys and things like that. And I'm not like, look, Shaq's probably helped some current day players, but certainly not very many big men. Not as many as Kobe, you'd say. Complimentary about like about and things like that. And so it is interesting the different ways that those two things went. And like, that's one of the things that will, I think, always resonate to me about Kobe as well was just like, he clearly did love basketball. Mm-hmm. And he wanted, and he wanted, other players around him to get better. You'd see like in off seasons, he'd help out, you know, various players throughout the league. And even during, during and after his career, he was very much trying to give back. Like you talk like his detail series where, you know, he would, he would look into trying to improve the game from its core. And I think that has rubbed off on the NBA in, in this past year. I really do. Cause you look at, you look at guys like, like you, you reference the Nuggets Jazz series in in the bubble, where Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray were bringing out the best in each other, and it was it was because of the other. It was like a natural effect. Mitchell would you know, Mitchell would bring out his best, and that would force Murray to do so. And and that was one of the honestly one of the better series in the bubble because because of how that series was and how each player was you know bouncing off of each other and. In a way, the finals as well. You know, you had LeBron and you had Jimmy Butler. And yeah. you saw Jimmy Butler's best basketball because of, I think, a little bit of what the Lakers were trying to push. You know, if you look at that series, you know, the I honestly kind of look at the uh, 2015 finals in a way and compare it to this one because the 2015 finals had LeBron with no, no Kyrie, and no Kevin Love, basically. Yeah. And he he had no business. That series had no business going to game six. It yeah. had no business going to game five either. But LeBron did everything in his power to get them as far as they could. And Jimmy Butler, you know, no Goran Dragic. You know, Bam Adebayo was in and out of that lineup. Like, he and lost. That, that was probably the best final series he's ever played. Like, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And he willed them. And Jimmy Butler was able to will the heat yeah. to game six and had no business doing that. And you saw in game six when, you know, the gas was just completely out of the tank. And, you know, you, but you had seen that the heat gave all they could. Jimmy Butler gave all they could. All of that energy in the bubble. The iconic picture of him slumped over, slumped over the over the stanchion. Over that, yeah. yeah. And honestly, you know, there's two ways to, to create this product, this NBA product. You can do it. With drama, with with these like storylines kind of thing, trade and, rumors and yeah, the yeah. rumors and the and the super teams and the banana boats <laughs> and all that, yeah, and that's fun and that might get you ratings. But I think the way that Kobe envisioned the NBA going and this kind of renaissance that the NBA players are kind of taking and and moving forward with it is we're gonna push each other to be the best version of ourselves to get a little bit better every day. The Mamba mentality. And we're going to use that to sharpen our iron. Iron sharpens iron. And that is how we're going to get the best product available. It might not necessarily get you, you know, the glitz and the glamour and the best ratings, but it will get you the best. It will truly 
bring out who is the best team uh, in this one game or the best team in this one season or series or whatever. And And, and honestly, that is endearing to watch as well. And honestly, as players, as competitors, I think that's what the NBA wants. And I hope that's what we see going forward because we look at the NBA now and like we look at the West. I mean, obviously you have the Lakers at the top and the Clippers as well, but the West is pretty pretty even outside of that it can go really anywhere and you're gonna yeah. see these teams try to push for each other and you look at the east too like i i tweeted out a couple weeks ago i was like you have the celtics nets um pacers heat like the east has so many good teams this year like the disrespect to the bucks to just not even ma- i see i see the, yeah, the like bucks too. Yeah, I no i see the i see the subtle still hardened bias in there of just like not even acknowledging Giannis's team that was that was really good i was getting there I, it gets late. It's late. we're recording this at like almost midnight at this point but yeah. Um, but yeah the bucks the nets the heat the sixers the celtics and the pacers Pacers are really good. Like two of those teams that I mentioned, I didn't even mention the Raptors yet, but two of those teams out of those six or seven aren't even going to win a playoff series. Yeah. Like that, like those series though, that three, six series, whichever that series is in the four five series, whichever series that is, those are going to be two of the best series that we see. It's one of those series will go seven. I guarantee it. If not both, because that is, East right now is so stacked. And I feel like you can get some of that in the West too, because the teams are super even. It's honestly going to come down to who's the better team that day and which team gets that mama mentality and, you know, can, can really hone in as a, as a, as a squad, I think. And, yeah, and I think, look, you saw some of that. You were talking about the nuggets uh, like a minute ago. And like, you saw some of that in their performance in the bubble, like Jamal yeah. Murray it, dry, striving to improve, taking that next step as a player. He was a guy who he talked about Kobe helped to like, he was, Kobe gave him tips on post defense. And I, I remember I wrote about this and looked it up for a story. Like he went from, you know, their playoff first round, I believe it was first round loss or yeah, the year before, like second round loss, possibly. They lost and, in the second round and seven of the Blazers. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, he was really bad post-defense that year, like, by the numbers, then, like, dramatically improved the next year after talking to Kobe about it and whatever. And look, you know, sometimes those numbers are wonky, especially for guards, whatever, but, like, it did seem notable to me that he saw that as a weakness, and then he went out and proved it with some of these tips from Kobe. Like, you saw he really wanted to work with the guys who were intellectually curious and didn't necessarily always do it in the most like, look at me type of way. It was, you know, these private sessions in Southern California. And like, if the player wanted to mention it or whatever, then that's how it got out. But it was not getting out because Kobe was like, ah, working with Giannis today or, you know, with Jamal Murray or who, like you never heard about this stuff until the players mentioned it like way later on to credit him for some part of their Anthony Davis, like, I I didn't even know that Kobe had taken him so much under his wing during the 2012 Olympics. But, like, Anthony Davis is talking about Kobe going up to him and telling him, like, sir, don't worry about your son. Like, I'll take – I'll watch out for him. Mm -hmm. When Anthony Davis was, like, 18, 19 – like, you know, he – about to be an NBA player, but like you think about it, like as a parent, that was probably a weird thing to be like, oh, my son's like going overseas to play in the Olympics by himself at 19. Like, you know, you probably felt a lot better with Kobe saying, hey, I'm going to look out for him and like make sure that I got his back and that he's like, you know, on the right track and things like that. So I do think that he really did 
make an effort to give back to the game. And that's another thing like you're going to see form like current players respect a guy like that, that is going out there and giving his time. It literally his last tweet was telling LeBron congrats on passing me and scoring, push the game forward and push the game forward was like, that was just a mantra. Like whether it meant you were breaking his records or whatever, he just wanted to see basketball be as great as it could be and be covered as great as it could be. Mm -hmm. And look, I think, I think when when you talk about legends, I think it's safe to say Kobe's a legend. And I truly believe legends never die because you're going to have Kobe's impact, not just in the NBA where, you know, you might see. Honestly, I know there's no All-Star game this year. I really hope they keep that All-Star format because what we saw that All-Star game almost a year ago was one of the greatest, you know, games of basketball keep the scoring format as well. Yeah. Yeah, I would, and that, I would that's another that's that. improving the game. Like keep yeah, keep improving the game. game forward. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a that's a very objective uh, you know, very, you know, I guess one way to look at, you know, Kobe's chain imprint on the game, but I want to see more of the not as I guess what's the word? finite, like more the behind the scenes kind of stuff. The stuff that you don't exactly see like 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 a rule change or anything like that but how he how other players go about their business how other players um change their game and push it forward and i i do think that you can you're gonna see this and it's going to be things that you see you know 5 10 15 20 years down the line and honestly it, it gives and even outside of the game like honestly the way that Kobe has affected me, I guess, as someone who does not have a single, you know, doesn't really, I I wasn't a huge Kobe fan, I'd say, like, I was, you know, I I admired Kobe for what it was, but I wasn't like, like, let's go Kobe, like, go go get the win or whatever, but I think I see how Kobe's responded in this year, and not saying that when I move on to whatever's next, uh, that I'm gonna get the same reaction that Kobe does, but I hope that the people in my life would at least see me as a legend. And, you know, that that's kind of what I'm working towards, I guess, is, you know, when you're gone, because life is finite, as we discussed earlier. Yeah. You don't, you want to live beyond that because you want to be someone that doesn't die. And I don't, th- look, Kobe might've passed away, but I don't think Kobe's died because you still feel his impact every single day. And I think you're going to see that in the in the weeks, months, years, decades to come. So I think this is a good place to uh, to hit pause for now. But thank you so much, Harrison, for coming on for Kobe Week. I uh, could not have asked for a better guest. So uh, please take the floor. You know, tell your tell the listeners where to find you and uh, anything you're working on. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at H-M-F-A-I-G-E-N, at H-M-Fagan. You can find all of my work, both podcasting and writing, at silverscreenandroll.com. You know, you can search Silver Screen and Roll on iTunes, Spotify, you know, wherever you get podcasts. And, you know, I'll be podcasting there. I usually am podcasting there once a week. And, you know, I write pretty constantly for the site, uh, you know, about games going on. I'm sure I'm going to be writing plenty about Kobe this week. I wrote about some like weird, bad Laker lineups that haven't been working over the weekend. And like, I wrote a little kind of mini feature on Contavious Caldwell Pope and Frank Vogel's uh, relationship and the trust that they've built and how that kind of has empowered KCP into like, 
definitely the best season start of his career. And so, like, you know, I, I, I'm going to keep it going throughout the week. I'm going to be writing about, like, this, like, current really good basketball team that's going on. And, like, as well as, you know, talking about a lot of the Kobe stuff that I'm sure is going to come out over the course of this week. Mm-hmm. So that's silver screen and roll. Go ahead there for all Lakers content at SBNation.com. You can also follow silver screen and roll on Twitter at Lakers SBN. So uh, hit, give them a follow if you haven't done so already. You can also be sure to follow the basketball podcast on Twitter at basketball. That's P-A-S-T-K-E-T ball. And you can also follow hoops pod net on Twitter. That's the basketball podcast networks uh, Twitter account. And you can also follow them on Instagram. That's HoopsPodNet. And if you'd like to, you can follow your boy Jeremy Brenner on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. Be sure to also subscribe, download the podcast wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. Do not miss a single episode of the Passable Podcast coming to you every Tuesday and Wednesday. Thank you so much for tuning in this episode. And until next time, rewind and be kind.